Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression that are at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, our guests are Latricia Gandhi and Carmon Leach, organizers with MCU's Juvenile Justice Task Force. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting us. Greetings. Hey. Today, we're gonna to talk about participatory defense, what it is and how the MCU Juvenile Justice Task Force employs this particular tool. So first of all, give us a broad definition of what is participatory defense? Okay, I look at it as um, support given to, um, to, to parents, helps give them a deeper understanding of the process by letting them know what to expect from each stage. Um, we offer our support through suggestions on preparing meetings um, with the attorneys, court dates, and other steps throughout the process. And I have participatory defense as a community organizing model for people facing charges, their families and communities to impact the outcomes of cases and transform the landscape of power in the court system. Okay, great, thank you. And one of the things that's important about you, you, the two of you as organizers is that you have been part of participatory defense yourself. So tell us a little bit of your personal stories and how you came to, to find this, this tool. Participatory defense was introduced to me um, after, well, while, I'll say while going through the court system with my, um, with my youth, with my son. Um, for six months, I was alone doing the situation. I didn't know, you know, who to reach out to other than lawyers um, through community organizers and some of the organizing things I've, I've attended and volunteered for. I was introduced to MCU Reverend Deidre Baker Wise, who was starting to launch the Family Partners Campaign with the Participatory Defense Hub up under it. But there weren't any parents with stories or impacted parents at that time. Um, so I, I stated to, to Reverend Deidre and I quote, you know what, there needs to, the community needs to be aware of the steps that families face when you're facing the court system. And I wanna be that parent to take that stance for other families and other parents. Um, and then I utilized my voice and became the organizer for more parents and that's where um, Cormon Leach comes in at as a new parent organizer with MCU. So between the both of us, we're just outreaching for other parents that were in the same situation um, in the participatory defense. We just we support you. We, we're not lawyers or anything of that. We are community people who have children that has faced the court system and, and we felt alone. And we we don't want other parents or, or guardians to feel that pressure when you don't understand the law, you don't understand the language. Um, and once you understand that, you wanna actually help 
support other people to do that and organize them. So, yeah, that's how I got into it. And I said, you know what, let's make a change. Uh, um, we need to reach out to more families like like ourselves to make this change. My situation was much of the same, even though every I believe everyone's experience will be different. Um, but um, at the time, Latricia was the the lead organizer at the time when I came in. So she's the one that kind of um, supported me through the system at that time. That, that was the person who I called to my go to. It was a relief to be in a place where people not only understood what you were going through, but were not there to judge. And so for me, that 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 would be my biggest takeaway from it at the, the process and which which is what makes it so real and something that if people know that what really goes on in that space, I think they would be more open to joining that space. So would you say, uh, come on, that was maybe one of your biggest surprises is is sort of the judgment free zone that you entered here or were there, was there something else that that appealed to you? Absolutely. That was one of the biggest because um, I anticipated my phone, um, the meeting that we were going to have because me and um, Latricia had had uh, meetings before the actual um, the actual meeting um, of the participatory defense team. And so I was nervous. I didn't know what they were going to ask me. I was working around in my head what I would say. And when I got came to the meeting, nobody was even, they didn't even ask what, you know, what did he do? Or, you know, questions that you don't want to ask when you don't know people because you don't know how you'll be judged. So those questions were, ne were never even on the table. So. And I want to say with that um, at the same time, that's what we do in a participatory <laughs> You have a conversation. I'm not the lead organizer over, you know, so I have a personal conversation with anyone that reaches out, any family member that reaches out for the support before you come to the Tuesday night meeting, because I want to explain what this space entails for the for the parent or the guardian. Because, you know, our, our stories are impactful, but at the same time, we don't know who to trust. And, and I'm saying we because I sat in that seat before you don't you, you are kind of embarrassed about the situation that your child is facing. And as Carmine said, that judgment thing, most most communities see your child committed a crime. The judge, the judgment is placed right then and there without even knowing who their child is, who their parents are, what their background is. And that's what this participatory hub does. We want to know who you are, who your child is. How can we support to tell that story about your child and not what the court system says your child is or what the community tell you who your child is? So that's what the participatory hub is all about let's create this model to to let you all know let's let's create this narrative we're going to show you instead of you telling us and that's what make the participatory hub so even our leaders they're so welcoming because they want to know you as a person not what someone is telling or what someone has jotted on a paper of what the perception they have of you and your child so when you first, when your when your child first came in contact with the the juvenile justice system, what was kind of your reaction, and and what did you think you would be facing? 
what was your, there had to be a lot of anxiety about that. It was total anxiety um, for me when my, my child, my first thing was what questioning we're getting a lawyer. I knew that from just watching, you know, like law and order and things like that. Like I knew that part of it. I knew that you have to get in there and you have to get your child because your child is a juvenile. You have that right. Um, but it was so much anxiety because I did not know I, it was the unknown. You never know until it knocks on your door. You see it on a TV, you see cases and things of that nature. And you feel you feel like, oh, my God, I hope someone helps them. I hope someone support them. But you don't know until it, it comes to your front door. So I didn't I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to call. And I'm like, OK, Somebody show me something. I need a sign of which way do I go with this? And and the thing about it, I never gave up. You know, I didn't just take what the court put in front of me and say, this is it. No, no, no. I know this is not it. Um, so what surprised me through the process, I never received the steps as a parent from the court system. I received it once I came in contact with MCU. I didn't know the process. I didn't know the language. I didn't understand any of that until six months later. And that's the surprising part because you feel you should know those things as soon as your child has any type of court hearing, any type of investigation, those things should be presented to you. And they wouldn't. They weren't. So I had to figure it out on my own. Um, and then, you know, MCU. The support of the Breakman School to Prison Pipeline and a task force that it entails, they have the information that they can share with you. I, I would say me personally, I was I went from being confused because I'm, this is a 15. This is my 15 year old baby. And after the confusion of, OK, so this is really happening. Then I became panicked because. I didn't know what to do. Uh, I, I did not. I was clueless and completely left in the dark. I'm glad that it did not take me as long as it did uh, Miss Gandy, because I was actually introduced to um, MCU through uh, through his defend um, through his defender. So uh, my my look for help was not my, you know, for support was not as long. Thank God, because the the two weeks that I did walk you know, felt like I was walking by myself was, you know, just full of emotion. And it would, I would not wish it on my worst enemy. Okay. Thank you for that, that uh, candid response. Um, I, I, th I think that brings up a sort of a, an observation that, you know, the system, the court system is, is not looking out for you and it's not looking out for your kid. It is simply going to chug through anybody that it comes in contact with. And if you're not prepared for it, if you don't have the resources, it will just plow right through your family and, and, you know, change, change your lives then. And with that, Kevin, I don't, you know, the perception that the court system doesn't see, it just, it doesn't only affect myself. It doesn't only affect my child. It affects your whole family. My son is the only boy. He has three little sisters. And he's the oldest. They were devastated. You know, like, wh where's my brother going to go, mom? It's, we need my brother. You know, so it impacts even the school, the, the school, some of the parent 
relationships we had in the school, some of his friends on the basketball team and the football team, it impacts a broad community, the church, the pastor. You know, it's not just the child that's getting affected by this. And the court system doesn't see that because the perception is, oh, they committed a crime, but they're still human. We've all committed crimes, no matter how big or little, we've all committed crimes and we, we're still human. And, and, and I, that takes me to the question of what is the narrative I want to change for my child and other people and other youth? The narrative is there's still life ahead of them just because they committed a crime or whatever, whatever the court system has perceived. There's still opportunities for the children. There's still colleges. There's still trade schools that these children want to be a part of. They still they still want to feel a part of a community. But if they're getting pushed back by the court system, they feel less than. So the narrative is to to always um, let the children know and the youth know that, hey, you are somebody. You have a purpose. This doesn't stop your life. And most of them think their life has just stopped. No, there's still opportunities. You still have a life ahead of you. And that's important for, we organize people to build their power and to fight on behalf of their children. But we also want to put those children back in the community. And that's why we need more community resources, more mentor groups out here for those children to participate in and feel a part of their communities. I wanted to say the first thing that we need to realize is that more than half the kids that are sucked into this juvenile justice system, they have no business being there in the first place. Um, I feel like the system is set up for them not only to get there, but to stay there. They, you know, they don't have um, adequate legal representation. Then you have low risk kids entering a high risk system where they expect them to do better. It's, it's designed, it's designed to not care. Yeah. So Carmen, uh, tell me a little bit from your perspective, what was the uh, importance of resetting the narrative for your child and, and what did it mean for how even the court saw the child and your child felt about himself? Uh, Latricia gave us a little bit of a peek inside of that. This was a 15 year old kid who should, like I said, who shouldn't have been there in the first place. And I look at it as the narrate, the narrative that they're setting is because you have this judge who is getting all them, their information about your child from um, prosecutors, um, DJOs, and People who their job, this is their job to, to make your child, this place, your child's new home. And because he made this, he made a mistake and was somewhere where he shouldn't have been. They expect him to pay for this for a long time, for, 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 for years. And then a lot of times after they come, come home, it's, it's still there. You know, they have these reflections of what has happened and be, you know, being somewhere where they never saw themselves. So. MCU has put me in a position to change his narrative, which we have done. 
um, because my son is currently going through a program through um, with MCU and will be off probation in April. And it's not how they see us. We want to show you who how, how we see us, who we really are. And that's what's crazy. And as well, it's scary that someone who knows nothing about you can say, I know what's best for you. So did, that, that not only in, improves how your, your child feels about themselves, but it's also then the, the judge is hearing that narrative too, correct? Exactly. From my point of view, and that's the point of the participatory defense, because I can now shed light on who my child is, opposed to them just being seen as this number or, you know, this slot, you know, this is, you know, let me tell you who he is and where he came from. Let me tell you his story. That They are not judged as individuals. And that's a huge problem. So what are some of the steps that families and communities uh, go through in participatory defense? You know, what's, what's the process once someone arrives the first time? What, what do they do? So the process, um, there, it's not a formal process, Kevin. It's more so, you know, once the parent come out and, and attends for one of the meetings, from that meeting, what we gather in that meeting is, what support do you need so that you're not walking this process alone? What can we do? One of the things we do help, we do support the families to do in participatory defense, create a social bio. And people say, what is a social bio? A social bio is, 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 is a binder of letters, pictures, um, any volunteer hours that your child has, has done in the community to tell that story visually. Um, that's one step that that the that the uh, families go through. The other steps are, you know, we listen. We listen. We don't go into the meetings talking. We sit back and listen to the parent and what the parent thinks is best for their child, their youth. What what is the best option? So, for example, um, the court system can give you a paper and say, hey, I think your child should go out to Mary Grove to this residential facility, get this treatment, and that's the best thing for them. But the parent can say, that's not the best thing. I know what's best for my child. I know of a program right here in my community that could support my child. This is the program. And you can give that. Oh, I already have a counselor for my child. This is the counselor that is best for my child versus your counselor in that residential facility. So those are the things the parents and families tell us what they need support with to build their power, to build their voices, to fight on behalf of their child. And we support that. Talk about what happens. At, what's the difference when, when a family comes to court with participatory defense at their back? Um, they, they've done the work. They've put together the narrative. Uh, they have the connections now through MCU and, and are feeling more confident. They, they, they kind of know what they need to navigate. So what's the reaction from the justice system? Is there any pushback? Or is it more of a hey, it looks like we've got somebody we can work with here. And it, it sort of changes how the interaction happens. Just what, what happens? It definitely changed it um, in my case. <laughs> um, we got that social bio um, out. And I think the, um, the judge, the lawyers, 
them being able to look at that, they were able to see not. So this wasn't just me saying this is what my son does. He's accomplished this and that. I, I, we actually put it so that they can see it and actually get a glimpse into the life of my of my child. In my eyes, the system is set up to be, okay, these are the guidelines that we go down and does he fit in there? Okay. Now, when I, now that I'm showing you something other than what they said he was, I think it gives you, they're able to make a decision to me about a kid. I think to go in by, go in by yourself is to not be protected. If to... I looked at it the way that when I'm talking to a parent, I tell them, if you want to be, how, how much protection do you want your child to have? So if I know that these people, if I go with these people over here, they're going to steer me, be, they're going to steer me through experience, not something that they were told, but they've actually walked this walk. This is who I want in my corner, opposed to, no, I, I, I'm, I'm going to work this by myself. I can figure this out. Actually, our public defender's office backed this participatory defense hub. Um, they introduced it to us. I'll put it that way because it gives them another hand. Public defenders have many, many, many cases that they're working on, right? They don't have time to go out in the community and talk to counselors and schools and pastors and, and family members and siblings to gather that information for the social bio. Um, and we, we, we've met with them before and say, how do you think this is working for you all? They love it because we're not only we're assisting, we're not on the same team, but we still are on the same team when it comes to the youth. So the work that we do help them build their case. And, and Cormine's um, defense, that social bio packet that we created, the steps that we did, her public defender was so uh, amazed and was just in awe, like, yes. This is what we need for more of our families. If we have you all working that port while we're working this port, we're coming together collectively and we're getting these children the, the resources that they need. So that's the collaborations with the public defenders. Um, I, I can even tell you about the city judge, Judge Omar. I love him to death because he he sees the things that were he's, he agrees. He's like, yes, if you guys are doing those type of things then it can decrease the number of youth that are getting detained yeah. um, because you guys are, you, you guys are, you, you, you're working our work. You're doing our work for us, but that's good because it's collective and we're all doing it for the, the right and the same thing. So to answer your question, the public defender's office, they love, they love the fact of the participatory hub. Okay, great. That's a good story to, to, to tell too, because those are the folks who are supposed to be on your side. Uh, but they are many times overwhelmed with the number of cases. They're overwhelmed with the system themselves. And if they know they have an ally, they're, they're better able to help you out then, huh? Absolutely. Okay, great. So uh, let's talk about the, the weekly defense hub. Um, what is it and, and um, uh, what, what happens at the meetings? Those are our two, uh, Tuesday night meetings. We are, um, well, we, we meet, we're currently meeting via Zoom. And we meet for an hour just to um, kind of allow the, um, the families to um, debrief with us after their day and um, reestablish any inform information that we may need. I think just because it's, you have 
people, so many, the people all going through the same thing. We're all fighting the same fight. So what in the back of your mind, you know, feels like this, this uphill journey is kind of simplified and made a little easier when you're going through with this, with um, people who have either walked the walk or, you know, know the experience. Like she said, it's via Zoom. If the parents are looking for the support, they come to that platform. That's their space. You know, that's not our space. That's their space. Mm-hmm. Tell their story. Um, again, she said debrief any anything that you need um, support with. If you sometimes family members are trying to write letters and 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 written statements, and they need that type of support. So we are there to give them that. We are there to give them that support. Um, you know, some of them meet with public defenders or they have a court hearing coming up and they don't understand what the court hearing is even about. You know, so we are able to help them go through that information and kind of decipher what they're going to face um, and like different opticals. You know, we provide the families with a packet. Um, a, a, a juvenile judicial packet that, you know, if they don't get it from the court system or their public defenders, we hand it to them and it just gives them the process like the St. Louis County Juvenile, a guide for parents, you know, so we give them these informations. We give them a pamphlet about knowing your rights and things of that nature. That way they have some information in front of them um, instead of going in there alone and not knowing anything. So Tuesday nights is filled with tons of information, and it's unjudgmental. You know, you can just come and just say, hey, I had a I had a long day. I talked to my son today. He's not in a good space or my daughter. And, and I just need I just need to hear you all to know that I'm going through this process and it's going to be OK. And I'm yeah. not alone because some parents get to that process and they give up because they feel they're alone. It's too much work. This Tuesday night meeting is come as you are. We've been there before. We're going to support you. And please, we're going to support you to not give up on your child while you're going through this process. And that's what that Tuesday night meeting is about. And if families are looking to come into that Tuesday night meeting space or know of someone that wants to come into that space, how do how do I reach you all? So, you know, we have a, a text message campaign that we use. You can text hashtag love youth to three one nine nine six. Either myself or Carmine will reach out within the next 24 hours. Um, they can call the MCU um, office personally, and that number is 314-367-3484. And that information will get sent to either Carmine or myself for us to reach out to that family and invite them into that space, give them the information to that space. That's 31996, and you want to text hashtag love youth. Okay, great. So are there any other things that either the uh, participatory defense hub um, is, is working on or even ju- even broader the juvenile justice uh, task force that, that you just want to lift up and make sure that, that the listening public is aware of? What I would like to list, lift up um, for the year of 2021, we're just trying to build a base of affected people, impacted people, Um, parents, leaders in the communities that want to get behind us and support families and do this work. So 2021 is all about base building. We want to find our people. As I said earlier, um, there's 23 
children in, in county detention right now. There's 23 children. Out of those 23 children, I'm pretty sure there's some family member that needs some support. Do, do, do they know of us? Do they know that we're real? Um, and that's the information we want to get out. So for 2021, we're just trying to build that base, get more voices, more powerful voices out in the community so we could change this narrative of the youth in our community. Our hopes is to have at least 50 leaders. No one is a volunteer with MCU. Everyone is considered a leader. So to have at least 50 leaders and those leaders consist of impacted parents, impacted family members, and anyone in the community that say, hey, I want to get behind this work. Let's do it. Okay, great. And Carmon, you had mentioned your son is is almost done. That's coming up here in April. Is there any sort of conclusion that you guys have um, as a group or or celebration that 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 happens? Um, we have been talking about some type of celebration um, because I man I owe MCU so much, and I mean this is my position now to pay it forward, man, because. I do not know where we would be, you know, not. And this is what happens when you do not know your rights. Um, so I'm just um, he's excited. I'm excited. Uh, his uh, lawyer, Sarah, is excited. I, this is it's, it's really good. And I'm so I'm now I'm trying to push him to, um, you know, do something, um, you know, maybe youth organizing youth through his experience so that he knows to pay it forward, you know. So, yeah, that's where we at. Okay, great. And so, again, that number is 31996 and text hashtag love youth to that number. Uh, I want to thank our guests today, Latricia Gandhi and Carmon Leach, organizers with MCU's Juvenile Justice Task Force and the Participatory Defense uh, Hub on Tuesday nights. Um, to learn more about MCU in general, go to Metropolitan Congregations United website at mcustlewis.org. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.